Hello and welcome to Take 411, a podcast powered by Another Chance to Bridge the Gap. This is a place where you can find latest news, information in relation to prison and anything happening in the community. Buckle in. Hello, everyone, and thank you so, so much for joining us on today's podcast. Today's topic is probably one of the most important ones I've ever talked about. Today, we're talking about the feminine divine, about the matriarch. That's right. Today, we will be talking about women, your daughters, your mothers, our aunties, our grandmothers, wives, our sisters, and so many other titles that they have to combine with these assigned intimate numbers. So join us. As, as we roundtable and as we chat with women of all ages and all walks of life who have been afflicted with the incarceration system or who have had their close ones affected by said system. Let's get it started, y'all. Let's do it. All right. So thank you, everyone, for joining. Really quick before we do our intros, because I do want everybody to kind of, you know, just say your name and maybe a little intro about yourself. I do want to do a quick dedication because I want to be mindful of who we're doing this for. You know, it's not just like a socialization chat. This this conversation is really to bring awareness to all women incarcerated or who have been incarcerated, and that means all of our black, indigenous, people of color, and white sisters, you know, in, in prison. I also want to um, shout out to all of our pre- and post-op transgender sisters who are serving time because they are struggling. They are fighting that good fight. It's not the same fight for everybody, but, you know, we all identify as women, and, and I just want to dedicate today's show to all women, all walks of life. All right. So, my name is Vanessa. I'm out here in California, and I'm really excited to talk about women in prison. I mean, y'all heard it. Uh, can we do a quick roundtable, a little intro, uh, how you're feeling today? Um, if you just kind of want to share your name, that's fine. Tawanda, do you want to spearhead this? Do you want to start off, please? Yeah, I had to come off mute because it was some background noise. So I want to make sure it wasn't me. This is Tawanda. Um, thank you, Vanessa. Definitely looking forward to participating in your show today, representing California and my oh, oh not California, Georgia. I'm sorry. I want to be in California, and um, <laughs> my mood right is I'm like oh yeah, not to February. My in my mood, I am super duper excited. Why? Well, I'm always excited. So, but thank you. All right, and then we got um, Anita. You're joining us tomorrow, right? Yes, uh-huh. this is Anita, and I'm in Iowa, and I'm a retired teacher, and I don't really have any experience with people or women in prison, but I have taught students at risk, and those at-risk students were students that had potential to have severe problems when they got out of school. That's right. And so that would be my experience there, and also some yes. some that were uh, 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 lesbians. Thank you, thank you for that. And then Alyssa, Alyssa, are you there? 
Yeah, I'm here. I'm Rissa, um calling from Texas. All right, thank you. And then um, Amanda, so can you give us a little bit about yourself? How are you feeling today? Yes, so good afternoon, good morning for some. Um, my name is Amanda Ponce. I'm hailing from Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, my experience is uh, parents and family members have been incarcerated, my mother, um, for several years. And I am a advocate, I would say, for criminal justice reform um, and uh, potentially writing a book um, about um, kind of the process of having having had incarcerated parents. So that is me. Thank you for allowing me to be here. That's my mood. I feel uh, grateful. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for your introductions. And um, let's talk a little bit about what really motivated me um, to kind of put this together. So first of all, we got to talk about October, right? October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And although I know there's many men, many males that are victims of domestic abuse, they and they go underreported. Like even with the underreported statistics, women garner larger numbers of these statistics in this situation. And as maybe some of us know and some of us don't, a large number of our sisters who have been incarcerated or who are still are incarcerated due to you know their due to them causing harm to their abuser whether it's like physical enslavement or whether it's like domestic abuse at home and so you know that that's really motivated me but on top of that last week we had this conversation um and it was between uh lissa and tawanda and we talked about how you know, there's all these, like, rumors or cliches or I don't know what you want to call them, but these things that are repeated amongst in our, amongst our society about women. Like, I was always being told, well, not always, but for, you know, my adolescence and a lot of my um, younger years, I was always being told that, you know, women can't be together. Like, we just we just can't mix because we're trouble. We don't like each other. Uh, women's spaces, whether it's like their room or their restroom, women are just dirtier. Like all these negative things about women. Women can't be together. They can't organize. They can't be friends. So when we had that conversation last week, it, it, it's like so surprising how long that that rumor, those rumors have lasted because I've had like some of the most powerful people in my life have been women, you know? So I kind of want to go around and see if you guys have heard anything like this. Um, like I said, I, I personally have constantly heard those things and I recently started having conversations about them because I used to hear them and then just kind of take them in my head and then just be like, yeah, that's right. That's why we can't trust each other, like women together, blah, blah, blah. But I started looking into it and I did this college paper. It was like for this religion class or whatever. And we focused on witches. I know it's just kind of like. Uh, you would think, like, something totally drastically different. But it turns out that, like, you know, the witch trials were real. Like, they, they were actual events in our history. And there wasn't anything about women flying on brooms. Like, it, it was just these women had uh, these estates and lived by themselves. They had these farms, and uh, they were entrepreneurs. And for some reason, people got greedy. People, mostly men 
started looking at, at these vulnerable people that are women with money and land and started saying, you know what, that should be ours. So they started accusing them of these things. And this is a small percentage, right? There's other, there's, it's just such a complex issue, but this is how it started, like how my mind started changing. So they started accusing these women of being witches, and then they would have these women pay for their own trials. So now we have these judges that are men getting paid. We have the collectors that would go collect these women that were men getting paid off of this woman. And then once she was, you know, put on trial and found guilty or burned at the stake, the government would separate her assets to each other. And most of it was a patriarchal system. So that really changed my mind. Um, And I just kind of want to go around and hear, like, if anyone's heard these types of things, like women can't get along, you know, all these negative things about each other, you know, before we really, really, really get into the meat of it and before we really start talking about the statistics of of women in prison. So, um, Amanda, do you have any stories like this? Have you ever heard any of these rumors going around? I mean... I think in like, um, you know, I, I work in education. I work in um, spaces where um, there's always a lot of women, you know. So I think with my male colleagues, you know, they're always like, oh, well, I don't want to get into the business. Like, you, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of, you know, so I don't like to talk. So, like, I mean, I hear that in that space. But I think outside of, um, outside of that, I'm pretty involved in politics. And so that's a space where there's not a lot of women or there's a lot of upcoming women, uh, women who are really trying to get into that space. And so there is that negative connotation. There is that, um, you know, this isn't our place. We, we, we bring too much emotion into place. Or um, I think yeah. those are like the negative, the negative thoughts I, I experience on the regular. But kind of like you, I think it's, it's who you surround yourself with, right? Like, there's those negative connotations, but it's it's about whether or not we feed into those stereotypes, right? We feed into the the cheese mirror, the the gossip, right? Um, that women are often um, <laughs> notated as, or where they call it the the kiki or whatever, all the different things that uh-huh. they, they call gossip, right? Like I think um, it's how we feed into it, and do we uplift women, and how do we break that stereotype that um, is often associated with? women hanging together, right? Um, but that's my experience. Yeah, how do we break it? And, um, yeah, so like I was saying, last week we were having this conversation specifically with, with Tawanda and Lisa, and I know, Lisa, you, you brought up some really good points. Um, you you also have heard these types of things, right? Or um, how did you start thinking and talking about, you know, women sharing spaces Um, this is Lisa, and honestly, like, you hear those things growing up, and like you said, it just kind of sticks with you, and mm. I always try to see the good in everything, even though stuff is bad, but um, I hate to say it, but I believe that some of that stuff is true because, you know, so many people are stuck on that. That's what they truly believe, and they don't take the time to get to know mm. people. I was even like that. Um I would be so closed off because I would kind of like going off of um, he say, she say, and then kind of picking up on vibes. And I'm just like, you know, well, Uh me and this girl's not going to mix because, you know, she's bossy and, you know, I'm, 
you know, mm-hmm. and and you never really know, like, that could be your best friend you're doing that to. And I really had to get out mm-hmm. of that because I would see this girl, like, and she would just, like, I'm a mean person. But this girl was like, <laughs> like, she was like Freddy Krueger, Hulk mixed with Tasmanian devil. Like, she was just all these things in one. And I was just like, I don't, you know, I think I might get along with her, but then I might not get along with her because, you know, the bully mm-hmm. might think she's going to bully me. So, but I had to get out of that. And she was one of the nicest people, like, I've ever met. But I think I did that to Aww. myself, though. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's very... um it's very difficult, at least for me, it was very difficult to share that vulnerability that you just mentioned, you know, where you were like, some of it was me, you know, I believe some of that. It was very difficult for me to do that whenever I was going through, you know, my search in, in like, self-acceptance and just acceptance of other women. But it's very important that we need to, we need to be true to ourselves. Yeah, so how... Amanda said, so we can try and combat these these stereotypes. Um, Lissa, I'm sorry, Anita, do you want to contribute any? I know you have a lot of experience, a lot of life experience, a lot of experience in education. I'm sure you've seen a lot of your students go at it for similar situations, petty situations. Um, yeah. Do you want to <laughs> share any of those stories? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I taught in high school, so so I'm dealing with a lot of hormones and uh, mm-hmm. and relationships and things. So, the as a teacher, the worst fights to have to break up are the ones among girls. They really? they get really vicious. They get really vicious. <laughs> they pull hair and they bite and all kinds of stuff. So, oh and how you, it's a good thing to be in the hall and get stopped before it gets started. But um, so um, anyhow, um, I think it, as far as work, people that I worked with, it all depended on just the personality. I, I it, the school was about half men, half women. I think the men probably had as much drama as the women did. It just all depends right. on the people, and I don't think it was. I, I don't think it was a, a bit different, um, and. Um, some, and I had a, a principal that was a woman, and she did fine, but I don't think gave her a break as much as the women did. Maybe the women didn't either. It, but it really depended on the person. Um, as far as in the, the classroom, I had a, a couple of students that were um, uh, uh, lesbian, and there were fights there. Oh, and it was usually over jealousy and and who who liked the other one the best, or or they were or and the other girls would be fighting over boys. So it's it's almost always relationships in high school and jealousy and things. But overall, the kids were pretty good. You know, it's it just really just dependent on who it was at the time. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you for sharing that. So, Tawanda, do you have any experience in this section? I had to come off mute. Sorry about that. Absolutely. Um, 
And when you and I were talking about a few days ago about the show today, um, Vanessa, you know, about women in prison and then alluding to, like, women and friendships and what we've always heard, you know, and kind of like what Lissa was saying in reference to, you know, that's what we've always heard. Oh, women don't get along. Oh, it's going to be drama. Oh, my best friend's a guy because women are messy and blah, blah, blah. And um, and I know in a lot of situations and circumstances that has definitely been the case. And sometimes, like someone else said on the show today, when you hear something for so long, like I've been hearing that since I was a kid. So when we, we hear something for so long, we really believe it. And then we also believe that it's always going to be that way. So I'm a person that I believe in friendships amongst women. I believe that, hey, if we have an issue, let's talk about let's work it out because I don't believe there's not too much that good communication can't really resolve. So I'm really an advocate for women and friendships and talking and working it out. And the last thing I want to say is when I lived in Charlotte back in 2009, Charlotte, North Carolina, I started this group for women and, you know, because I wanted to build against that negative connotation that women, we're, we're not, we can't be friends, you can be backstabbing. And we started having quarterly events. And it ended up being like well over 100 women that would come together quarterly. And I said, leave off your hat of your mommy hat, your wife hat. Just bring your friendship hat, your girlfriend hat. Mm-hmm. And um, and we hung out like one weekend every quarter. And it was amazing. It was a lot of tear-jerking situations. We did a lot of like scavenger hunts and just different things. We had like a Friday night special, you know, Saturday's brunch. And we talked and we built. And we actually worked on friendship. So friendships to me are just like marriages. Like I'm not a person that's married, but mm-hmm. just like you, you got to put work in, you got to work at it. You got to do different things. You got to rekindle it and so on and so forth. I mean, it's, it's the same thing because I believe when you talk about domestic violence moms, I believe that if women were stronger together and we had real solid friendships and we really got along, we empowered and pushed each other. Mm-hmm. When someone is going through a domestic situation or even before, even when you get with someone and it seems like it's going to be domestic, hey, you know, girl, I'm really struggling with this, this guy or this girl or whoever you're with. And that friend can yes. take it to your life, can encourage you. And I believe that will help. A lot of times we go through some of this mess because we are alone and we don't have friends and people yes. we trust because unfortunately some people, they do hate and they don't really wish you good. So, yeah, we could be powerful if we could be together, and I do believe that we can be. Ooh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Yes, that is so great. And speaking about uh, all of these topics, right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back we're going to talk about Uh, an Atlanta public teacher on a 14-year sentence who just recently got her sentence turned over. So stick around for that. Um, Just uh, take us to that break, Alexis. Hi, this is Alexis with some news for Take 411. Women detained on Rikers are scared for their lives. Rikers Island, a sprawling complex of eight jails in New York, is one of the worst places to be during the coronavirus pandemic. In these facilities, the virus is spreading at a rate eight times faster in New York City. There are hundreds of positive cases, including staff, and several people on Rikers have already died of COVID-19. It is no mystery why New York's biggest jail complex has become an epicenter of the pandemic. It's like a cruise ship without any of the luxury and amenities. People are packed tightly together with no hope of social distancing and they don't have access to the soap, masks, and gloves necessary to protect themselves and others. There 
also is a sufficient medical care to treat an outbreak. People are getting scared for their lives. The Rose M. Singer Center is the only place specifically for female detainees on Rikers. One inmate shares her thoughts. I'm a transgender and have a chronic illness. I'm supposed to be first priority for releases. I'm HIV positive. If I catch the coronavirus, I can die. It's going to give my body too much to fight at one time, right? I already have a virus in me. Can you imagine if I have to try and fight two viruses? I can barely fight off a cold or a flu. I'm a thousand percent scared. I'm really scared for my life and for my safety. They don't give us proper supplies. We're running out of soap. It's uns- sanitary. There is not enough masks going around. We don't get hand sanitizer. We don't get what we need to keep ourselves safe. Guards only worry about themselves. A lot of officers here are calling out sick. People in here are sick. People in here are sick, but we are not being tested the way we should. We have to beg. Every time I ask the nurses to test me, they don't. They say I don't have a fever or any telltale signs. I feel a little bit sick. They put people who test positive in quarantine, but they come back to our unit. We eat and sleep together. You can open your legs and touch another person's bed. That's not enough space. It's like a small alley lane. That's how close we can be to each other in this dorm with 15 or 14 other people. On Wednesday, a judge denied my release knowing that I have a chronic illness. At the end of the day, my health should come first. While you're quarantined, I'm in jail, dying or getting sick. I feel like it's the end of the world for me. Everyone deserves a second chance in life. No matter what you do, I feel like I really deserve a second chance. I don't want to die in an infested cell. Thank you. All right, thank you for that that news break, Alexis. And yeah, Rikers Island, man. So, so I I was looking up some stuff on uh, women having children in jail. So we're definitely going to get into that uh, in a bit. But as I mentioned right before the break, I do want to talk about this Atlanta teacher. She was a public teacher on a 14-year sentence for an eight million food dollar food stamp scheme that was recently commuted, uh, they recently commuted her sentence. And I kind of want to tie this into how we talked about women together are powerful because this, this lady who was a public school teacher um, was sentenced for 14 years, and she wasn't the only one that was behind this scheme. There was, it, it was like a multi-group type of thing. There were some men involved. There were other people involved. What's great about, about her is that once this woman was in prison, she ended up using her teaching background to tutor inmates, and then she helped facilitate children's programs inside of prison. So this is, you know, kind of how we talked about that women – Sometimes, yeah, we don't kind of advocate for each other. So if somebody's going through financial struggles, if somebody's going through domestic abuse, we kind of are just like, well, I told that girl. Or like, oh, well, I, you know, we've already tried to help. But the thing is we have to keep trying to help. Like these are our sisters. Like we are in harm's way. We're like one of the most vulnerable class of citizens. Yes, we're very strong. We like run households. We run countries. We don't get the attention for it. You know, usually it's a patriarchal system. It's the man who gets the attention for it. But because of that, all of our progress doesn't get recognized. So we feel alone. And then we have to do all these things to feed 
all all of our people, our siblings, our kids, our family members. Some some of us take care of our parents, and this is what this lady was doing. You know, she was like, okay, actually, in her statement, um, she said that she wasn't even aware it was illegal. She just thought this is kind of you know, just like an an even exchange that she was doing, and. Once she was in, she was obviously in an all-woman's prison, and she ended up building something really great. She ended up doing these programs to help mothers and to bring in visitations with children, and that's extremely powerful. That was her, you know, being forcefully relocated, obviously, into an all-woman's environment, and that's just like a huge testament for women together. She was outside, she was alone, and then she came inside, and she just saw the need and she had good advocates and then she pushed out something extremely beautiful. Like that's, that's something that you don't hear a lot about. I feel like it's always just kind of like, Oh, these women, that's why they're in prison. That's, that's how they ended up being in there. And I do want to kind of go around and see if anyone knows like any of the statistics as far as like, why women are in prison? Why do you guys think, you know, women, women in prison, their numbers have, have doubled since, like, the last century? Like, what do you think is going on? Or what are just, like, your assumptions about women in prison? Why do y'all think women are in prison, like, in, in large numbers? Um, and I hey. want to ask, yeah, go ahead. Okay. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to tell you, I had muted the lines because someone has background noises. So if you just say who you want, I will unmute the lines just so we yeah. can be able to hear That's you speak. You I want Anita? Do. Okay. Okay. All right. So our society has changed a lot, and, and women take a, a a bigger role, a more aggressive role, and that maybe that's why they're more um, um there's more women in prison. I don't think I really have a good answer for that. That would just no, that's be my guess. Answer, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great answer. There's no right or wrong answers. We're just, you know, there's. I know there's all kinds of listeners tuning in, or there will be. Um, we none of us had the right answer. Right. We're just like wondering what everybody's thinking because. I, I haven't been like this person that I am today all of my life. There was definitely some times when I was younger and I had these assumptions about things and then someone educated me on it. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know if I believe them. I'm going to do my own research. And I found out some of those things sometimes are true. So like, yeah, we want to, we want to just hear everybody's opinion. It, there's no wrong answers. And, you know, just why do you guys think that, uh, or why do you ladies think uh, a lot of women are, are incarcerated. What do you think is maybe like the biggest um, contribution? Like, the, uh, why do you think most women? What charge do you think most women have that um, that makes them go to prison? Alyssa and Lissa, do you um, do you have an assumption? Do you know of these statistics? Um, to bite off what Miss Anita said, it's kind of like they switch the roles. Men are wanting to be women or women want to be men, and they are the aggressor now. And I feel like women, they act off emotions a lot. 
they're too emotional and they can't control them. So it leads them to do other things. And another thing that they don't speak on is the mental illness. Like once you've done something to someone for so long, or they, you know, they've been in this, this funk for so long, it starts to drive them into another world and they start to, you know, lash out because for the longest women have been like the invisible boy. I don't know if y'all ever read that book, but um, basically go through life not being seen. We had to fight for rights. We, I mean, and we're still not uh, equal. Uh-huh. So um, uh-huh. I feel like it's not a cry for attention, but it's like, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm just going to say it's like all the emotions and again, uh-huh. like uh-huh. for the longest we've been known to be the weak, the weak link in we're really not. Like, women are going to jail for the same thing men are going to jail for. Like, you know, it's like, it's, I hate to say it like that, but it's like, it's getting, like, the females are getting gangster, you know, if that makes sense. And they're tired of being uh-huh. told no. They're tired of, you know, they've been doing it this way for a long time and they didn't get any different results. And then now they do this and they end up in jail, you know, giving birth in jail. Like, I, my best friend been there 12 years, so um, emotions. God, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I definitely agree that there's a lot of changes in our our system that is kind of pushing women to the forefront when we used to kind of be in the back end, still running things, still being in charge. But, yeah, we're definitely now getting more attention. Like, oh, okay, well, did you see what she did? No, she needs to get it now. As opposed to before it was like, oh, they're, they're insignificant or whatever. Um Amanda, I am so curious to hear about, you know, your your input on specifically women in prison. I know uh, you mentioned, obviously, having some relatives in prison and, and how it affected you. So please, please, please enlighten us with, with those um, comments. Yeah, so thank you. I um, appreciate everybody's comment before and, like, their uh, guesses, like, you know, what's the number one reason why women are in prison um just like knowing uh that you know our statistics in terms of like um our black and brown communities uh are disproportionately uh, incarcerated um and knowing having family members have my own mother and my father brothers uncles etc um who have been in prison i think um one of the biggest things is just poverty right and so when it comes to poverty um you know, there's a lot of, like, I think Lisa mentioned about, like, mental health or just trying to survive, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. Just because, you know, we, we live day to day and not so much month to month or year to year. And so a lot of times you have to use the resources that you have. And a lot of that it comes from generational, like, teaching. Um, and so I feel like for women, um, for, for example, for my mom, so my mom uh, sold drugs. And so... In, in this her line of work, I, I've seen a lot of people who use drugs, a lot of women who use drugs, and a lot of people who sold drugs, um, and, and mostly males. So my mom was kind of an anomaly in, 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 during her time to end up selling drugs. Um, but it's kind of like I was mentioning, that generational teaching, because she's seen um, her uh, husband and, you know, uh, family members. And so she was like, well, I know the business. Let me go ahead and jump in it. So I feel like, for me, not knowing for sure, uh-huh. but I feel like, Drugs are probably um, part of the reason why women uh, are like 
has maybe the majority of why women are incarcerated, either from using or either from, um, what you call it, from selling drugs. And the other part I would add, I used to work for the state as a caseworker and a juvenile service officer. So a lot of times when I've seen um, our youth being um, coming into the system, a lot of it is because well, the, there, was a, there wasn't father present, but also because mothers had a, a drug abuse problem. Um, and so a lot of that, they were incarcerated um, for those matters. And so I think that's, um, that's what leads me to believe that's probably the number one reason why women are incarcerated. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there is definitely no wrong answers. Like these numbers mm-hmm. or these statistics are like ever-changing. I, mm-hmm. Last night I was watching this um, little documentary on um, – these predatorial types of messaging towards women in prison. There's all these like apparently on the internet where you can look up women who have recently been incarcerated or who, um, who have prostitution charges on them or drug abuse, you know? So there's these men and women that prey on women who have recently been incarcerated for prostitution or for drug abuse or they just look at their vulnerabilities, and they can look them up online. I forgot the website. But um, in the documentary, they were saying that there's these predators that look for these women. They're like, okay, how much can this face make me? Is she young? Is she vulnerable? Is, does she have a support group? Is someone sending her money? All right. But they get her inmate number. They get her address. They start writing her. And then love letters start very innocent, you know. Oh, I'm just writing to kind of chat with you to give you um, some company. I'm going to put some money on your books. And then they, these women get out and they don't have a support system or they do. They are battling with, you know, a recently um, taking care of drug addiction and they can relapse at any moment. So what happens is that these predators build this rapport with them. They're like, girl, we'll, you know, we'll come and we'll get you out of there. Whenever you're out, just call me. I'll get I'll get you a ride. So then they come home with these strangers who have promised them a healthy, safe environment. And then these people end up taking advantage of them. Okay, well, just do me this favor. Uh, just start having sex with this person. Or just go and have sex with this person. Or just, you know, we need this and we need that. And it turns volatile. It turns volatile. And now these women really don't have anywhere to go. They, they just got out of prison. They're very vulnerable, and they end up in these situations where, you know, you, you, you don't want to be. You didn't think of. Um, but I do want to touch base with Tawanda. I'm sorry. I missed you in the roundtable. I do want to hear your opinion on, um, you know, what you think the statistics are. I, I know you do a lot of um, advocating, a lot of work. Your whole life is dedicated to empowering um, ex-convicts and we're bringing women together, so I'd really love to hear your opinion on on this topic, Tawanda. Yeah, actually, and I was like, oh, wait a minute, she forgot me. I want to add my two cents, and really no, just to do the way it went. I know this is this. I was like, man, really, and honestly, what I want to share is a whole another show. So hopefully, we'll definitely revisit <laughs> this because I had um when. 
after you and I had talked the other day about the show for today, I had looked and researched some different information. So what everyone was saying is what definitely the research shows with just histories of women in prison due to poverty, due to unemployment, due to drug abuse, physical abuse, violence, and all this just leads to trauma and physical and mental abuse. And, you know, I can tell you stories and stories. I was just trying to think about the different. When I first started working with people in prison about 12 years ago, I, of course, immediately wanted to start working with women in prison um, first, no, not discriminate against men, just, you know, because I know women was mothers and they had kids and they was away. And, you know, the jailhouse is full on the weekends with women going to see these guys. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like that for women. Mostly just women's moms are coming and the kids every now and then until they get mm-hmm. older. And um, I was trying to think as you asked the question, like, how many different women I know, what were they in prison for? Now, most of them were in prison for white-collar crime, so maybe they fall under that unemployment type situation. And then there was also a handful that I met that had been in abusive situations and relationships. i never forget, and, and like I said, I can share tons of stories, but I just want to tell you about one. There was one lady that was in prison, and as nice and sweet as she is, and, of course, people change over time and so on and so forth. So I asked her one day, how in the world did you get a life sentence? Because you don't really see a lot of women with mm-hmm. a life sentence in prison. And then she began uh-huh. to tell me a story. And, of course, this is her story, so I can't verify if it was true or not. But she was dating a guy. And, um, you know, she was, in a, she was in a relationship with someone she really shouldn't have been in a relationship with. And he had come to pick her up one day, and she noticed that he had a body in the trunk. And when she saw that, she, it was, uh, she, she was terrified. And, of course, you know what he said. If you say anything to anyone, it's going to be two bodies in the trunk. So they proceeded uh, to go different places, et cetera, et cetera, and they got somewhere and got stopped. And when they got stopped, they found the body in the trunk. And guess what? It's too late then when the body is a day, one or two days old to say he wouldn't let me call anyone. So she ended up getting um, locked up for accessory to murder plus drugs in the car. And um, and then he ended up turning a deal and got lesser time than her. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, so it's a really a, a nasty and a bad situation. And the last thing is we think about over 2.3 million people incarcerated in the U.S. As you said, Vanessa, on a previous um, conversation we had, that's a whole community. That's a whole community in itself. And, and we have a problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with these women in prison, and when you, I gotta say this, I gotta, you talk about women, friendships. If we can be stronger together, we can truly show love for real. We talk about poverty, unemployment. Guess what? Why is somebody in poverty? If if you're open and let someone teach you how to fish, then you'll never be hungry. Then it wouldn't be so many people unemployed. You know, and we know with the opioid crisis and this drug addiction, you can't even compete with this drug addiction. But hopefully there's some Mm -hmm. things that's happening in somebody's life that we can get you before or or what happens when a person's on drugs. I don't know. And physical abuse and violence, that's a whole other level. Sometimes this stuff goes from generation to generation to generation. So we have a problem. We just got to identify how we're going to be more proactive and, you know, to make some improvements. But, yeah, this is definitely um, a very touchy subject to me because people are dying. Um, in the in the, the news, Alexis read about the women and the, the sanitary conditions and the person that already has the HIV. Like, I have one virus. I don't want to catch another. Man, this is real. Mm. This is serious. So, yeah, that's, that's really what I wanted to share. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, in Rikers Island, as as Alyssa did say, you know, she was touching base on um, a woman who's transgender and who was getting problems, you know, who was having difficulty accessing her medicine. And on top of that, I know a lot of our sisters in jail who are battling these these other fights on top of just being incarcerated also they're battling being identified as women because they you know they identify as women they were just born in a man's body and that's a whole nother story but i know a lot of them aren't just dealing with like hey we're in the wrong jail we need to be in the female jail they're also dealing with you know like their hormone therapy which i know in um in Idaho, they just got permission to get hormone therapy after a long, extensive fight of their sisters on the outside. They just got approved in 2015 to get hormones. But they also, you know, they're in a male-dominated prison where many of them have spoken out that they have gotten physically abused and sexually abused. And it's really discouraging. You know, they're still our sisters are still, you know, part of the the female um, percentage. They, they still make up that contribution of women. So I do want to touch base on the statistics. Um, this is some, this is just like a little quick fact sheet that I put together from um, statistics out of the Bureau of Just, uh, Justice and the Federal uh, Bureau of Prisons. So it's a quick fact sheet on Canada, Mexico, and the United States. So um, Canada's Indigenous women make up 3% of the population, but 38% of women in prison. So out of everywhere in Canada, there's 3% of Indigenous women. But in prison, they make up close to 40%. One, that's insane. Um, In Mexico... Mexico's incarcerated women are mostly convicted due to men in their lives, fathers, boyfriends, husbands, whom they do business for. So either they're like um, managing their illicit business, peddling pills, you know, selling crack, selling heroin. That's, you know, a lot of the women in prison in Mexico. These statistics were from 2018, so there could be like a bit of a change, but, you know, they're the most accurate ones that were provided. Um, yeah, so these, these women in prison are mostly incarcerated because, yeah, like poverty. And then their close loved ones are saying, hey, we can make money like this. Uh, you're inconspicuous. You look like a woman. No one's going to suspect you. Go out and do this. And sometimes we just think we need to feed our kids. We need to, you know, comply by our husbands, whatever. And we go out and we do these things. And it, you don't think of the long-term consequences. And then this happens. So in the USA... This thing has a small number of women incarcerated due to violent crimes, but these convictions are, you know, of murder, manslaughter, mostly due to being a victim of a male partner or a male family member and their history of domestic abuse. So as we discussed earlier, there is a negligence happening in every courtroom. Like these women's convictions, um, most of the time, the criminal justice system, I, I really think it fails them. They don't, they ignore their trauma and the realities and the dynamics of domestic violence. Like, like Tawanda, your story, you were saying, they, it sounds like the justice system, it sounds like that courtroom 
really failed them. They didn't take into account that they were beaten, you know, that there's a sort of mental hold. There is a mental abuse that goes into a vulnerable person's mind whenever they're like, shut up, don't say this, or you'll be next. Those are the things that we really need to advocate for each other. We need to say, hey, um, this person threatened my life. I, I, you know, even sometimes whenever victims say, like, this is what happened to me, people always doubt them. You know, it's it's supposed we live in like this free nation. Aren't we supposed to do the whole like innocent until proven guilty? Like, so if this victim says, "Hey, I was, you know, I I was under this person's spell. I thought this was going to happen." We're supposed to take them at their word until we can prove them otherwise. There's definitely a huge injustice going on there. So those are the statistics that I found, and I'm sure that you know they're they're going to be ever changing, but there is um, a relationship. There's a relationship between the things that everybody said, you know, mental stability, poverty, trauma. So I, I also want to point out this theory that I heard a while ago that I think is like super interesting. So there's this theory that um, goes, it says that like, if you want to like topple empires, you know, like if you want to kill emperors and, take over their kingdoms and you want to, you know, kill rulers and take over their domains. Um, you, you don't just like go after their communities, right? You want to cause legacy harm. So if you want to like take over a huge community, you, you don't just like kill their leader, you kill their leader. People are going to come back. You know, they're going to be like, that's our martyr. He died for us. They're going to, they're going to come together and they might take over, you know, the, the army that has invaded them. So that is definitely not the best strategy. Supposedly the best strategy used by the most intense tyrants in history. And if you look like Genghis Kong and, you know, before like Greek and Athens and all of these, like, you know, the Trojan war and, and all of these, um, great wars quote unquote that have fought the best strategy to take over communities and kingdoms is used by like by the most intense tyrants in history it's to plunder and pillage the women in the community you want to take over so it's to cause the worst harm in to women in the community so like why it's because this, like, well, according to this theory, right, it describes how a community's most important, most valuable, most precious commodity is a woman. Like, women in since the beginning of time have been that backbone of a situation, of a family, of a community. Women were the ones, you know, even still, you go to your to your grandma or to the elder in your family, and they have all the secrets. They have all the secrets to the sauce. They have, you know, all these remedies. They have all these stories. They have, you know, how Amanda was saying, the chisme, the gossip. They have all of these very important attributes to just, like, who is them. So, and if you think about it, even in recent times, even in slavery, there's books that have been written that hurting women and hurting women in these times caused generational harm. And that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to break down the family system. So they hurt women, hurting a man, killing a man, horrible, awful, but that didn't cause generational harm, causing harm to women is what really, really did that. Women are so important that you can, you know, like, 
God forbid, but you can kill our children and we're going to cause a storm to avenge your death. Look at Trayvon Martin's mom, Sabrina Fulton. She's, um, she's running for a seat in Congress. I, I forgot the title that she's running for, but she is so involved. She's changing policy. Like women are so powerful that you can kill our fathers and we'll become advocates. You know, we'll, it'll like, we'll be stronger. Um, I don't know if everyone's familiar with Charlize Theron, but she's a huge actress and her mother killed her father in front of her because um, it was like a domestic violence dispute. And Charlize Theron went on to become the United Nations messenger of peace. And of course, a great actress, you know, but the point is that you can cause all types of harm to the family unit and, you know, they will survive. They will push through, they will struggle, but they're going to push through, you know, so we persevere if you harm, if you harm anyone. But if you harm our women, those scars last for generations. Like that's something that I think we should all really take away. That's like one of the most vital things that I think is overlooked because we live in the now. We don't talk about these conversations. We don't have these topics. And, you know, whenever we, we round table in our homes or they may, may be taboo or whatever. Anyways, it's time for another break, ladies. So everyone, please stay with us uh, through this next break. And we're just going to close it up afterwards with some very important points and with some closing notes. Thank you very much. Alexis, take it over. Take 411 is powered by Another Chance to Bridge the Gap, which is an organization that has been around for almost a decade working to help bridge the gap between people in prison with family, friends, and people in the community. We need your help. There are so many different things going on in the world, and our goal is to continue to share information on a daily basis to make sure that people are aware and abreast of what's going on in the world so we can continue the mission and goal of bridging the gap between people in prison with family, friends, and people in the community. Please connect with us. Subscribe and make sure you have a membership because together we can change lives. All right. Okay. So I also wanted to kind of go around. I know everybody has their own thing going on. I know um, you ladies have projects that are happening at the same time. Some of them are projects that are related to these topics. So I really want to go around and give an opportunity to everybody to discuss these projects and maybe, you know, um, kind of make not just each of us aware, but anyone who's listening. So um, I do want to start with Lissa. I, I know, Lissa, you're very involved in the community. Do you have any projects or do you have any pending notes you want to leave us with? Um, no, I just thank you for having me. Okay, thank you. Um, Anita, what about you? You're driving cross state. Are you just doing that for fun? Are you doing it for business? What's going on? I think so. Oh. I'm helping someone out by, by, by going back to Colorado for a short period of time, and, and then I'll be returning to Iowa. And I do have a project. I have a Susie Bear book that will be coming out, Susie Bear and Addie. And they are dealing with relationships between girls and 
and how they support each other and always um, are happy for each other. And when things go bad, they're right there helping each other. And that's kind of the theme of the, the books that I have, I've been written already. So look forward wow, to that's those. Amazing. Can you give me the, the title of the book one more time? Susie Bear and Addie. My granddaughter's name is Addie. And oh, she has a, a little bear that she becomes friends with. But then they have all kinds of adventures together and they learn things and they're just, they're in competitions and they just support each other Cute. and just so happy with each other. And, and so that's the theme about girls and then and they're, yeah. and they're all, there's, uh, they have different backgrounds. Uh, there's a, someone mm. from China and someone from Africa mm. and India, and they're all involved in, in, a, in a community. Oh, that sounds so sweet. That sounds so sweet. And you're educating our children on, you know, worldly, worldly topics, so that's important. Thank you for sharing. Amanda, mm-hmm. I know you mentioned a couple of things, so I, I definitely want to hear um, what projects you're working on. Uh, so please go ahead and enlighten us. For sure. C- could I real quick just kind of go back to what you were saying? It was very profound and oh, I took please. a break. Yeah. And I just wanted yeah, yeah, to say, yeah. like, um, that that was so dope. And just, like, what you were saying and how, how real it is. And we think about mm-hmm. the prison system, the fact that that's, like, a, another form of uh, slavery and breaking up the family unit. And mm-hmm. not just with our women, but with our, our males and Mm-hmm. Historically, that's part of the reason people are protesting. These are this is why we're mm-hmm. in such social unrest, um, and I think it's important that we acknowledge that even when you talk about slavery, about you know having worked for the state, being a caseworker, I was part of the reason why I left that is because of the institutional racism that that's there. Um, we think yeah. about like you know go back to slavery. You mentioned like you know this is something that was part of slavery. When you think about breastfeeding, right? Even as small as that in terms mm. of breaking the connection between the mother and child, like, you know, the the inside slaves, right, they they got to breastfeed the white woman's child, but she couldn't breastfeed her own child, Ooh. right? So that's, that's like, uh, for me, when you were saying this stuff, like, this is, uh, this has been since the beginning of time to break down our black and brown units, um, family units, by doing such that, and now it's just transformed into what we see now as prison, and we look at... Um, taking children out of the home and not reuniting um, kids, you know. And so I just wanted to add to that and and just say that this is something that we always have to be an advocate for and that sometimes um, I think Tawanda mentioned it's like generational trauma, um, that we might not know what happened, you know, where we're at in our our lives now, but this was something way back when before our time that this trauma has been passed on to us and we don't even know about. So we have to heal to make sure that we break these generational cycles um, to help us, you know, build our women um, and our children um, for the next generations to come, uh, seven generations after us, right? Okay, so um, in terms of projects, um, I'm working on a book. It's called uh, A Drug Dealer's Daughter, and the idea of it is to have short stories to kind of um, highlight that my parents or any other parents, drug dealer's daughter's, parents are no different from a doctor's parents or a doctor's a doctor's uh-huh. kids or like a, a lawyer's any any nothing different um now how they you know vacations might look different you know certain things might look different but they love me just as much as 
you know, another parent's, um, another, yeah, another parent. So, like, I think uh, a lot of times we we hear such a negative connotation about a, um, you know, someone who was a drug dealer. And don't get me wrong, they're definitely, you know, they they hurt some of the communities and their own family members. But at the end of the day, um, mm-hmm. that's a brother to us. That's a father to us, a mother to us at the end of the day. And they still love us. And we have to love them from where, the, where, they, where they are at. And um, from my perspective is, you know, trying to uplift that and not grow up feeling like, these my parents or somebody are these cute like bad people um and so I wanted to collect stories not just for myself but I'm using my nieces my net and my my little sister and a couple of friends um, who I'm close with um we're going to be writing some stories so that should be coming out here soon hopefully um putting a year goal on it so yes that's the most recent project I'm working on thank you for thank you your for having me yeah, Tika, thank you for, for all of your very honest, genuine notes. And um, the book, we have a year to prepare for it, you know, get our minds right. Uh, Drug Dealer's Daughter, I'm very excited about that. I know we've discussed it once before, and I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to, to that as a lot. We don't have a lot of, you know, uh, authors that talk about our struggles. We have a lot of these mm-hmm. case studies of, you know, um, people who do studies on people, uh, on the impoverished, or on women of color, or on brown people. But a lot of times they don't look like us. So it is really nice to hear, you know, everyone doing all this work to advocate for people that, that looks like them. So I really appreciate you doing that, and I'm excited to read it. Um, I, uh, I also want to kind of ask to Wanda, I know you always have something going on, so, Tawanda, do you want to leave us with some notes, or do you want to talk about any projects that we need to look out for? Girl, you better believe it. But before I even do that, I got to throw a few people under the bus because one of the things that, um, like, when we do these shows, people are so humble, they really don't tell you, like, all the different things that they're working on and what they really do to help and to impact people and the community. And, you know, when you ask Alyssa to share, you know, she's a little shy. Um, but one uh-huh. of the things her and I are going to be working and building on, yeah, I mean, I know you know that she's shy, but um, she she works a lot when it comes to the community with helping and giving, especially um, with the homeless. And, uh, you know, and like we say in our mission about uh-huh. the company overall, you know, our goal is to help bridge the gap, people in prison, uh-huh. as well as people, you know, family, friends, and people in the community. And Alyssa has been working tirelessly helping the homeless, giving them packets, and just making sure that uh-huh. they do it on a regular basis. And, you know, she may do that solo and she may get a few people. So I just really want to say that because as as what we're doing um, from the standpoint of our organization, we're working on several different campaigns to really truly be able to help people in prison as well as people in the community because we just talked about some of the reasons that women are in prison, and we know poverty, unemployment, drug abuse, physical abuse, violence, and so many other things, and a lot of people are, are homeless. So, you know, we really want to be able to help bridge the gap, help connect with other organizations and entities that do things, as well as with Anita. Anita has been a part of the team for 
probably seven, eight, nine months, maybe even a year now, and she's our editor, and she's been editing countless books of guys in prison and women that are telling their story. Mm. And, you know, we have some stuff that's actually being released in a matter of days. And um, and Anita's like, oh, I just I edited this book, and, man, this person's really good, and this person's really good. And she's been so instrumental in doing that. And another project we've been working on with a, a former judge that actually has a book series called The 50 Laws of Life, and he was actually a judge in East Cleveland many years ago and ended up getting indicted um, for accepting kickbacks and went to prison and was supposed to spend a whole lot of time but um, but he actually ended up getting out probably I think after about ten years. So we're working with him on some projects, and it's really truly amazing. And also we have a magazine that's going to come out sometime in January, and it's going to kind of share a lot of different things in reference to the community, people, different projects. You know, just kind of like what Amanda mentioned in reference to the book, we want to showcase different things that's actually going on. Our goal is to really help bridge that gap. So, yes, ma'am, Vanessa, we have several projects, and we're working and looking to collaborate with other companies that are truly about change, that are truly about helping people for real, and, you know, so on and so forth. So thank you for letting me share that. And as we update our website and all the information, it will be there. And I'm just super excited about it. And the last thing I got to say this, because we are all going through the uncertainty of the pandemic over the last nine, almost ten months, and we're getting ready to go into the holidays, you know, whether people celebrate them mm-hmm. or not, you know, this is getting ready to be the close of the mm-hmm. year and there's so much going on. So we as a people, we are stronger together. We have to find more ways to do that. I did a podcast yesterday for trucking industry talking about different ways to make, make money. If you get, you're interested in that, Vanessa, you shared some information about, Hey, if you're interested in being a firefighter in California. So we're going to be putting information out about employment, resources and so many other things it'll be on our website we'll be at on facebook as well so just really stay tuned to the show and you'll hear here first that's what take one one is about take four one one i'm sorry <laughs> thank you talanda thank you to each and every one of you for your vulnerability your honesty and just for you know kind of giving me the opportunity to have this conversation with you and thank you Tawanda, for you know providing this platform because there isn't a lot of people um, providing these types of platforms for uh, people like us. So this is really cool. I do want to say that we're going to have to have a part two of this conversation because we definitely did not cover everything and we need to, there's, there's so many, there's just so the, the woman is like a multifaceted dimension so we definitely need to come back and continue this conversation um i do want to leave everyone with like a closing note all of our listeners i know that sometimes um we you know our sisters our friends our mothers whomever uh sometimes have problems yeah like we said with addiction sometimes with uh abusive partners or whatever it is that they're doing quote unquote wrong and sometimes you know we're human so we get frustrated so we might be there for, for these people once or twice, but when I, the third time, that's it. I believe, you know, like you, you're on your own, but we really, really, really need to think of like this long-term trauma. We really need to think of, you know, if we were going through those things, how would we want someone to act without us? And I know not everyone can be 
you know, as perfect as you or as perfect as me or whatever it is that you think, but we really need to be there for all of our sisters, uh, you know, in this fight, all of the women, not just once and not just twice, but as many different times needed. And sometimes you just don't have the energy or the resources, but that's why, you know, we take in, that's why we're not just advocates of our direct family members. We're also advocates of our neighbors. We're advocates of our friends. We're advocates of strangers, you know, like helping the homeless or helping people incarcerated. Like we have to be there for these people. I myself wouldn't be where I'm at with like my mental stability, with my safety net, with my healthy relationships. I wouldn't be here if someone didn't take the time once or twice or however many times I needed to really advocate for me, to be patient with me. So I, I would really like to leave everyone with um, that ending note is just be there. Be that safety net that these people need. I know it can get frustrating, but, you know, we need to provide these, these, uh, this help for our communities. We also need to look into specialized services if we ourselves are, you know, are tired or we have other needs and, and we need to do other things. But we need to really, really try and be patient and empathetic. And most of all, you know, we each other need that genuine support. So taking little steps to kind of prolong your patience and prolong those relationships and just be an advocate for your friend, for your sister, for whomever it is that is in trouble. So, like I said, if you enjoyed this topic or you just, just want to hear it, kind of chat about it again, be on the lookout for part two, so many other things that we didn't cover, that we will cover. Again, thank you to everyone that joined today. Thank you for your conversation. I really appreciate it. It's helped me out a lot as well. Um, and thank you to all of our listeners. So, thank you for coming in and hearing us out, and we will see you, or we will talk to you next time on Take 411. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Take 411. To stay connected with us, please subscribe in the link below to our website, add your email address, and get all types of updates and information about what happens in the world every single day. Until the next time, remember, together we can.